years. <laughs> As business owners, entrepreneurs, family men, it's difficult for us to find the time to put together projects like these. Even though it's something we really yeah. want to do, unfortunately, taking care of the things we have to take care of comes first. However, because of viewer support for people like you, we're able to continue doing this. Please consider joining our Patreon and supporting the Burn and Return podcast. Listening to Burn and Return, a weekly one hour podcast covering news from the agricultural and turf grass industries. With the DJ Scratch, you know what that means. That means it is time to start the show. Welcome to another episode of Dum Dum Dum. Burn and return. My name is Matt. Sometimes I go by the Grass Factor Martin. Alongside me, we have Ryan DeMay and Ray Ito. Between the three of us, we have, I don't know, a shit number of years in the green industry. We come from various sectors, uh, lawn care, sports turf, construction, manufacturing, consulting. Uh, we we pretty much have covered a significant chunk of uh of of the industry amongst amongst our careers. And uh, and so we like to take a look at what's going on at a very macro global scale and then circle it's all spiralification to the micro scale of how these things affect your business on a day to day. Um, you can check us out on all your favorite podcast apps, Spotify, uh, uh, the BoobTube. Uh, what are the other ones? iTunes, uh, Apple. Uh, I think they're the same thing. I don't know. We're on we're on podcast apps. Are we? Yeah. We we are, and I'm going <laughs> to shout. That, was it, was, was, was there a sound. was there a was there a period, or what was the what was the uh, correct punctuation there after you stopped? It was you said, it was a we're dash. on podcast apps. <laughs> <laughs> it was the old school turfs up radio pause for effect. It was, and I'm like, was, was this shit buffering again? Fuck. No, it's a semicolon. Is that, all right, that's all I got. that's that's good. How are y'all doing today? I know. I'm just. I had a flashback there to when you used to do your solo show on Turf Up Radio, and you know this was uh, post Lizard Man, and I had upgraded <laughs> to the 5G on purpose, you know, out of spite for his dead, rotting, blown up corpse. Uh, and, and yeah, I uh, know it was downtown Petula Clark, oh, R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, I love that song. Okay. I do. I'm well, I love that, that song. song too. Okay. Yeah, it, it's I mean, a, that's... it's a great song. If you're completely See? sane and have better things to do on Christmas morning, I think is. Yeah. Yeah. That's if the, you don't check those whole... boxes, you get a problem. Stay away. Yeah. yeah. Pl- stay away. Go get help. <laughs> that's, that's my, that's my advice is get some help because you know, various people's what they say it is true. It does get better, but then not like that. Well, that and uh, a pre-show, we talked about a number of topics, very wide-ranging. And uh, one of the last <laughs> topics that we did discuss was drugs. And I would have said that Lizard Man needed to be on a few of those, uh, even the ones that uh, prevented you from showing your the O face. So, 
<laughs> without, without, I, I, to be honest, though, I think that guy was so nuts. There was no amount of drugs that was going to bring him back. Uh, the, the guy, <sighs> I, he probably needed like IV uh, Haldol or something to uh, just stay in a catatonic state from from now. I lauded. Yeah, he was dying of cancer yeah. anyway. I mean, Jesus, just put the guy. Yeah, in his misery. yeah. yeah, just uh, just put the guy into a happy place because uh, it doesn't even have to be happy. Must have out of reality. <laughs> Listen, it, I don't know. For some people, our... not being not being in reality is happy for them. Not being in reality is happy. And for some people, you know, I, I'm just saying. Might if there, if, if you are new to the show, there's a number of topics that we'll discuss, uh, seemingly at random, and uh, characters and or caricatures of people that we will bring up. Uh, Lizard Man. If you want to know more about him, just go check out the. Uh, Nashville bombing of uh, 2020 or 21. I can't remember which year it was. Uh, guy that went in his Winnebago and decided to blow himself up in the middle of the street Christmas morning. And uh, we uh, we like to rag on him because he didn't like 5G. He thought 5G was taking over the world. And uh, <laughs> we will talk about a lot of wide-ranging uh, theories, theories, conspiracy, and otherwise. And we don't really care for conspiracy theories too much, more so to the point that... Uh, if you are using, uh, especially name brand aluminum foil to make your hat, uh, you know, if you use a Kroger <laughs> brand, Publix brand, Albertson, something like that, like maybe we'll give you a pass. But when you step up into Reynolds wrap and the like, you are a certified crazy person. We really are going to make fun of you at that point. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, unless it's Ray, uh, Ray has one heavy metal. He prefers, I, I like lead, um, it's just it's it's kind of my thing it 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 deflects everything uh even the stupid can't penetrate lead as a matter of fact i just don't eat lead-based paint chips too often uh anyway gentlemen uh all right so quick rundown of the show we're going to cover some headlines uh and we we were actually going to call those headlines and then we're going to get into some more spicier topics where uh we will definitely throw some jokes around and that's going to be in our burns (laughs) and then we're going to summarize it with some good news or at least an attempt to try and find some good news because (laughs) you know it's hard to find good news in today's climate and uh we'll call those the returns we get any uh fan mail we'll we'll check the mailbag it looks like it's empty right now so we'll see how it goes but our favorite segment that we have is going to be joe knows turf that'll be somewhere in the middle of the show and uh, of course you'll hear the sounder and the music for it and you'll know and i promise at that time you should stop whatever you're doing take your shirt off and just get get ready because uh boy it is it's it's gonna it's gonna get you excited uh that being said let's go check out this week's headlines It, that is my attempt at comic comedic relief is when I said nothing to fear here. It's just the news because uh, the news is designed to scare the holy shit out of you. Uh, but we have another story here about uh, government is mad about uh, about private businesses here. And it starts like this. Uh, Iowa State Auditor asked feds to block fertilizer plant sale. Uh, State Auditor Rob Sand, can we get some information on Rob Sand? I'd like to learn a little bit more about his background. Has asked federal regulars and to block haircut. Oak- <laughs> Terrible haircut. That guy was in a, a not very fun fraternity. I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there. Uh, Coke <laughs> Industry Plant acquisition of OCI Global's Nitrogen Iowa Fertilizer Plant in Lee County. Uh, in a January 30th letter uh, to the Federal Trade Commission Ooh. Chair, uh, Lena Khan and Assistant U.S. Attorney General Jonathan uh, Cantor, who leads the Justice Department's Antitrust Division, Sand noted 
Tax incentives totaling some $500 million, $550 million, had been supported building the plant, which was pitched to taxpayers as a project that would encourage future competition and growth for the region. Uh, Scott Syorka, uh, Syroka highlighted the problematic sale in Bleeding Heart Heartland uh, Post last month. That article detailed how then-Governor Terry Branstad's administration orchestrated a package including $300 million in federal tax giveaways related to flood relief program, $133 million in local tax abatements from Lee County over 20 years, and $112 million in state tax credits or forgivable loans. Uh, the auditor's uh, letter argued that a sale to Coke Industries would likely increase fertilizer cost to farmers. It would also negate the original intent of the deal. Uh, of the, deal. the idea that Coke wouldn't own the new plant justified the massive commitment of tax dollars in the first place. Sands said he agreed with the comments Brandstad made to reporters in 2013 asserting that the Koch brothers didn't want competition where Iowans want competition. Sand is the first Iowa statewide official to contact federal officials about the sale, which OCI Global announced in December. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to read a couple of the comments here. Uh, Rob Sand said, Governor Sand, for 15 years, the Republicans have neglected real problems, institutionalized religious dogma, and privatized essential services. Plus, they've hoarded tax money to feign excess taxation, then call for tax relief, which too many uh, uh, think benefits all, in reality, few, the rich. Reynolds' goal is zero income tax. Uh, then another one says, uh, I can see how he might have been part of the critiquing the initial package, including apparently not putting in safeguards to keep this from happening. It seems like something the feds should take a look at. But putting aside apparent political ambitions, as Gerald notes, seems like a reach that just feeds into the re uh, Republicans uh, pointing to Strang beyond his given role. So uh, there's a couple of ways to look at this, and I think this is going to be the first note I make about it. And of course, it's going to require a little bit of uh, a, d a deeper digging into the story here. But okay, when you decide to take on a nitrogen fertilizer manufacturing plant, you're incurring a massive scale of a project, right? This is not a $10 million project. This is not a $100 million project. You're talking about a $550 million deal because this is definitely uh, a uh, a 10-figure kind of deal, right? So we're into the billions now when you're doing this kind of thing. So on top of that, you are operating a very, very intensive, uh, uh, highly specialized uh, chemical process known as the Haber-Bosch method of production. Um, I don't know specifically which technology they're using. Uh, if I recall correctly, and I could be wrong on this, so fact check me, call me an idiot if I'm wrong, but I do think they are using ThyssenKrupps, which is a German company's uh, variation of, the, of their uh, uh, Haber-Bosch plant, which is supposed to be state-of-the-art and all that fun stuff. But also, I know ThyssenKrupps does not have a lot of these in operation currently. So uh, what ends up happening is that you get into this and you have grand ideas, right? And uh, a lot of those grand ideas are is that, well, if you just spend money with the right people, uh, with the experts of the industry, then good things will automatically happen. And unfortunately, what ends up happening is that you end up running into problems that you didn't account for that cost a lot of money to be able to solve. And then you're eight years, nine years, 10 years into the process, and you're still not turning an adequate profit to keep the doors open. So you're faced with two situations. You can either continue to borrow money to, uh, to try and make the improvements and do it, or you can offload it and walk away and, uh, and give it to someone who actually does know what they're doing. And that way, you can avoid bankruptcy of the company, which would be ultimately a greater tax burden than selling it off and letting it remain operational. And really, is OCI uh, going to be able to undercut Coke? Here's the thing. If they are able to undercut Coke with their manufacturing process, 
uh, it would not necessarily be due to economy of scale. It would just be due to margins, right? So if you are doing that on a margin standpoint, let me tell you that on the commodity space, margins are pretty razor thin because you are manufacturing a commodity that's going to be even harder to dig yourself out of a hole, right? So a lot of this, a lot of this uh, 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 speak here and painting that it's it's bad. And this is just uh, Coke increasing the fertilizer industry and the Coke brothers. I don't know if anybody knows this, but one of the Coke brothers is dead now. So the fact that they're still referring to them as the Coke brothers is a little weird. Uh, it sounds a little slanted otherwise. Um, and I just don't necessarily buy uh, that all of this is just Coke agglomerating power, taking advantage of tax incentives and blah, 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 blah. To me, it sounds like this is the wisest business decision that the owners and operators of OCI have to take in order to keep from walking away with absolutely nothing at the end of the day. Also, on the flip side of that is that it's going to keep local people who are employed, employed. Uh, because if they do go under, where are they going to go? It's not a good look, right? And uh, so I don't know. I, I, there's, there's a lot to unpack here, and I, know, I don't think we're going to be able to get it all in this one article. But I'm curious, gentlemen, when you hear this, what is your immediate uh, response? Uh, Telly, to hell with the Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> never watched uh, You know, before. never? Really? Ever? Yeah, not once. Never. Whew. Never. Never for me All either. Right. <laughs> All right. We're okay. Broken. Right. <laughs> yeah, we're broken <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Just listen to Casey Case from the Weekly Top Forty. He's dead too. Um, uh, the fact that there's politics involved here, you know, uh, I, I, it's playing up. I think in a little bit of populism in that area between. Mm -hmm. uh, Nebraska and Iowa, right? So Iowa, Gra uh, Chuck Grassley um, has been pushing that whole um, narrative that uh, companies are are basically gouging on price and things like that. So uh, it, admittedly, this here, I agree with you that there's a significant investment at play and that the best thing that they can do is have somebody like Co come in and take over and continue going forward here with a massive investment. But to sit there and say that this is something that needs to be looked at. I mean, there are, I think, larger issues at play within the fertilizer industry in a whole, and probably even within the state of Iowa that are probably more impactful. But to sit there and say that this will unequivocally raise prices or increase prices, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. This seems to be a little yeah, bit unless OCI standard. was selling it below commodity, which is well, that's the other thing too. Yeah, not understanding yeah. the other forces that are at play nationwide and worldwide, right, within the fertilizer market. Right. Ray, what do you think? I mean, that's uh, what, what I think is uh, this is something that is basically Koch Brothers is simply a symptom of a very large problem because Koch Brothers, to my knowledge, they're the only United States show that deals in nitrogen, right? They're the only show because uh, when I think of urea, for example, I'm thinking Koch brothers. When I think stabilized urea, I'm thinking Koch brothers. 
So they have, so then this sale or transfer is just the tip of the iceberg because I have to ask now, why did only Koch brothers step up to make this sale? Why only them? Why nobody else? Where is everybody else? <laughs> you, you, you know, and that's that's a good point. So the other, all right, the number one uh, producer is going to be CF Industries, right? The CF Industries is actually much larger than uh, than Coke. Um, I do not know where all of CF Industries manufacturing is, and they may already have a pretty strong uh, hold in Iowa as it sits. Um, so I, you know, I, I, the other thing too, is that this is one of those greenfield nitrogen fertilizer facilities where they're doing also like green hydrogen and green, uh, 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 methane. And I think a couple of other things that are, that are going on there. Right. The sale was for $3.6 billion and they do about three and a half million metric tons of ammonia. Uh, a year out of there, right? Well, actually, that's going to be a combination of ammonia, urea, and uh, diesel exhaust fluid. So, um, that again, if if they bought it for three point six billion, I'm going to say that's probably about the total cost of the project to bring this to life. Uh, I'm going through and I'm looking at the bond ratings for OCI Iowa, and they were not good. They're triple B minus. Uh, so the the company was not in great <laughs> great financial. Uh, uh, health there. They were not so, yeah, standing health. anyway. <laughs> and uh, wow. and I, I'm looking at some of the older uh, older uh, values here of you know people you know talking about how you know with more investment they could do more good and blah 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 blah. So uh, they were recently uh, sued and lost a uh, a sixty two and a half million dollar deal uh, to a subcontractor at the plant during, during the build out. So, you know, again, this is, there was, there was a lot going on here that, uh, that that's at play rather than just the damn Coke brothers are libertarian and they're just trying to take over the world, even though one of them's dead. That's a, that's a very simple, easy thing to point at and rouse and, and ruffle feathers. But in reality, it's hardly ever that simple. There's there's a lot of things that go into place here. And when you have a business, what is the number one goal of the business? Return on investment. And if your return is not there, it does not make sense to operate your... Um, uh, oh, look, here, CF Industries previously bought OCI assets for $8 billion. Uh, so, yeah, it looks like uh, CF Industries and OCI have already done significant business on a, a, a globally uh, together. So, um, again, I know I, I think this is a lot of noise. I think this is uh, uh, what, what what is this? What is this doofus's name? Um, I can't I can't remember his name. What What is it? Uh, Rob. Rob Sand. I'm not going to lie. It he. I think I think he's I think he's a, I think he's a sissy. Uh, all right, we'll check out the next one here. Uh, six fertilizer prices lead lower again, again. Let me guess. Everything is super cheap now, right? Well, maybe not. Uh, DAP is coming in on a, uh, a retail spot price of roughly $740 a ton, which 
we're not gonna lie that is lower and uh and we are we are definitely down uh from uh 2022 but we are up on uh, uh from 2023 currently where prices are with dap uh we have um, eight hundred nine dollars a ton for MAP as a spot price. Potash for five hundred nine dollars a ton. That would be potassium chloride. Uh, we are still somewhere around a thousand dollars a ton on uh, sulfate of potash right now. Uh, urea retail spot price at five twenty seven. Anhydrous ammonia at seven seventy a ton. UAN twenty eight at three thirty five a ton. And UAN thirty two at three ninety a ton. Uh, DAP at uh, seven thirty four and ten thirty four zero at six ten a ton. So uh, these are still up, uh, you know, from before we had the huge giant spike, uh, about eighty ninety percent uh, from from where it was. You know, we'll say like uh, you know over over a, you know the the previous five year average up to twenty twenty one, or we'll say, you know we'll twenty twenty the great the great COVID jump right. Um, but it does appear to be softening across the board at, at varying degrees, right? And that is is a trend we want to see. Uh, except except for except for DAP, DAP isn't isn't softening all that much. But hopefully, urea will continue to soften. Uh, you know, again, this time last year we were at seven hundred eight a ton in spot retail. Now we're at five twenty seven. Uh, I will say I was getting uh, barge prices the other day and, uh, into the door, you know, if you're five, five twenty seven r- retail, plus you got, you know, it's going to be FOB. So if you're doing a truckload of urea, you're probably still going to be somewhere around seven, $800 a ton bagged, uh, probably maybe, maybe eight fifty bagged. Uh, if you're, if you're buying truckload quantities, if you're getting a truckload or less, I'd say you're probably still going to be somewhere around like a thousand dollars a ton. And, uh, and you know, if you do cheaper than that, you're doing really, really good. How about that? So, uh, just to put some, some numbers in your head there, are y'all seeing anything, anything, uh, significantly crazier or less than that? No, I think that, you know, this is what we've seen in the market. And we've talked a little bit about this a few shows ago on Thursday, Thursday, that, uh, the impact on, in the long care market is that again, some folks are still holding inventory from maybe a little while ago where their cost basis is a lot higher, right? So if you're looking at your distributors and having conversations about products and things like that, maybe just be a little bit flexible and ask them if there's Time's something up, different. It's over. They have uh, at a different price point that they brought in here more recently when uh, prices have started to stop. The, uh, I don't know if anybody has been watching what has been going on in France. In fact, I, uh, in the discord, I've put up a live stream of, uh, of people storming the EU parliament. I, they weren't necessarily storming it, but, uh, the farmers in the EU are not happy at all. And the reason why is this 2030 crackdown from the WEF, which they had no vote in. And again, you know, so many of these things are being promised and, uh, uh, regulations are, are, are being proposed, uh, without, without really any, uh, any vote, uh, even though, you know, we live in supposedly these, uh, democratic societies, uh, but remember we should trust the people who are in the know and stop asking questions, stop doing your own research because there are smarter people out there that do research and they'll make the decisions for us. Well, the farmers took pretty big offense to that, right? And so they said, you know what, we're going to go ahead and we're going to bring all our equipment up there. We're going to rip up some roads along the way. And uh, we're going to have a big bonfire in the, uh, in the, uh, in the courtyard at the, at the European Union uh, 
uh, parliament building. And, uh, and we are going to make it rain manure. Uh, and boy, <laughs> oh boy, did they ever. And it was, I'm not going to lie. It was, it was wild as shit to watch today. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's interesting again. I think <sighs> there is with, without a doubt, and I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to sound like an industry uh, simp here, and that is 100% okay. I'll die on this hill. But the amount of progress that has been made in agriculture over the last 10 years, uh, it, you know, 10 years ago, no-till or limited till, reduced till was just, you hardly heard it right? It was fringe, right? If you did no-till, you were considered like regenerative ag, okay? Now, however, it is, it is like a part of strategy that people look at today and, and they start playing around with it on different plots of lands. Where does it work? Where does it not work? And in fact, we have a lot of published data now that shows where we're getting good degrees of advocacy or we're getting a negative return on investment by doing it, right? So we've made great strides in that space. I think the same thing when we start looking at the pounds of uh, of active ingredient in the types of products we're using, you know, N no one is going out and spraying atrazine seven times a year, right? That's it's kind of a thing in the past. Is glyphosate usage up? Yes, but because we have glyphosate tolerant crops now, right? So it makes sense. And and you know people are like well it's glyphosate it's poisoning everybody one go fuck yourself if if that's what you want to do and in fact if you're an anti glyphosate person I promise you we'll have you on the show you can come on bring whatever <laughs> impactful data you want and we will we'll have that mm -hmm. we'll have we'll have a great we will have actually a yeah, genuine please. conversation we're not going to yell at you yeah uh, yeah we're not going to yell because impact right now it's not reality because Matt ahead, I invite my I invite people that have an objection to glyphosate to come on and talk with us because out of all three of us, I think I am the most familiar with the world before glyphosate. Mm. Okay? I know that world and mm. holy cats. I mean, that world before glyphosate was horrifying, to say the least. And, you know, Matt, I had an interesting conversation with somebody about farming and agriculture in general this morning okay and that conversation had to do with how grasslands and hay fields are managed in the eu and what i pointed him to is that in the eu the way they need to manage their grasslands and hay fields to remain agronomically productive is every year or two they got to rip down those fields re-sow it with new seed and fertilize the hell out of those fields mm. whereas here in the united states and this is something that i'm involved in how do i manage a grazed area matt it's with Graze controlled on. grazing no it's controlled good. grazing and you're not wrong because my weapons of choice are aminopyrrolid, triclopyr, and metsulfuron mesyl and dicamba. Those are my weapons of choice. And how Whereas much of that is Europe, related to land area? 
versus uh okay explain give us a quick one over why why europe does it that way the reason why europe does it that way is all those things that i just mentioned for grazed area management and vegetation management on grazed areas are illegal in the eu that's probably you may not apply hmm. you may not apply aminopyrrolid you may not use triclopyr you may not use uh, dicamba, you may not use metsulfuron methyl if you needed it for vegetation management in a grazed area. Your only recourse is to rip down that pasture, re-sow it, and then here's the thing that to me is the most counterproductive. In order to get that pasture back up and in production, what do you got to do to that pasture? You got to pound that pasture with nitrogen and phosphorus to get the grass to grow back fast enough. You got to get your protein so, count up. Yeah, you got to get your protein. And so what, I, what my point is, is that when the EU went hard after the pesticides back in 2000, this is the side effect that they created. And you know what horrifies me is that, okay, they went after the pesticides in 2000. And now in current times, they're going after the fertilizer now. So what are these growers and producers supposed to do? Oh, I, I, have the, I know the answer to that is that you've got these pencil dicks in the WEF that are now telling everybody <laughs> don't have any more meat. Don't have any more meat. Don't have any more eggs. Don't have any more milk. You will eat the bugs and enjoy it. Get <laughs> fucked. nothing and you will enjoy it. Uh, Demay, yeah. be, yeah. be a voice of reason here or not, uh, but <laughs> um, when you saw what was going on in Paris today, did your heart flutter with excitement or were you like, Ugh. What, was your, what was your initial reaction? Uh, I mean, I was cringing personally. I was personally cringing, Matt. That, oh, God. That, I, was, that, I was cheering. I stood up on the chair. No, was, no for me, oh, yeah. I was horrified because I know what it means when a farmer gets to the point where he's willing to risk arrest, uh, seizure of assets, and imprisonment. I know where he's at when he's at that point. I mean, it's a pretty low point. You got to agree, right? Yeah. Because guys, this is what I call an insurrection. Okay? This is what I call an insurrection. What American people think is an insurrection, no, no, no. That was just a short-term demonstration. What's going on in e the EU right now, now that is an insurrection. Make note of that. Don't call what is not an insurrection an insurrection. Stop. Well, it. <laughs> we play fast and loose on language in the in the U.S. now. Uh, but but Demay, when you when you see, are you like when you are you are you cringing? Do you think do you think at this point there are reasonable solutions that people are going to walk away and be like, okay, we can work with this? I think there are. I just think that uh, I did. I didn't cringe. I wasn't cheering. I found myself asking more questions, right? Like, sure. okay, 
what is it going to take for the farmers, right, to understand that hey, there are there is an elected official or a group thereof that are is willing to listen to what I have to say, right? That's going to represent me and my interest, and not necessarily um, just say, "Hey, doesn't matter what you have to say, doesn't matter what you know, what's going on in your industry, your life, your livelihood, we're out." Right, and and to be something so foundational to society, such as agriculture, like that—that just, what's it going to take for them? And on the same side, on the on the electric side, it's like, um, hopefully, you'll realize that these people are serious and they're not nutbags per se. Right? Yes, are they expressing themselves in a really (laughs) weird and forward-facing way? Absolutely, but they need to get people's attention. They need to get no. Nah, I just think they need to get people's attention, yeah. and they're clearly they're clearly doing that. So, if there is some reasonable discourse to be had, I think it's at a center around. Okay, if you uh, have a better solution than just at an outright ban across the board, or even taking, you know, certain products that there is no backup for, right, or there is no pivot to go to, this is what we have to mm-hmm. do, right. Why are we not incentivizing Ryan? the activities we just talked about before the show about research and development and things like that? Why mm-hmm. are we not incentivizing the activities to, for us to move forward as opposed to just however, saying, hey, on and buy? However, the issue is not about a pesticide ban. The issue is centered around they first banned most pesticides back in year 2000, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But now, what we've been talking about since 2020 are the looming bans on fertilizers. I mean, that's what's next. You see, they first took away the pesticides, and okay, the growers adapted. All right. However, remember what I'm always saying about unintended consequences. Because mm-hmm. to me, Ryan, if I were looking at it, things very holistically, is I would give these producers the tools that they need to manage their land in a less energy wasteful manner. And to me, ripping down a pasture, resowing it, and having to feed it back up every year or two, that is so damned wasteful. Okay, that is wasteful to me that you got to do that because like on the kind of lands that I manage, there is no re-sowing. There is no fertilizing. That land just is sustained and maintained, but the way it's sustained and maintained, unfortunately, to the EU is there are a few ounces of herbicides per acre involved in order for that to be a sustainable system. But what it is, is the EU has basically, via their mandates, or their proposed mandates, they're going to make it such that modern agriculture as we know it is just not going to happen in the EU. And that's that's the crux of the matter. 
And I, and I think, you know, we were talking about the culture war before the show. And I think, I think, you know, there is uh, in the vein of that populist uh, kind of uprising we see on both the right and left. And yes, there is, uh, you know, left wing populism as well, too, uh, is that is that, you know, our uh, a lot of our uh, declining health issues in the United States related purely on uh, or related purely to uh, agriculture. And uh, there are very, very large factions on both the right and the left that think uh, that modern agriculture is killing us all and it needs to be revamped and it needs to be done a very specific way, even though these people that have that in mind do not understand the land requirements that it would take to do that. And uh, uh, un unfortunately, it's just not it doesn't it doesn't work. It, it legitimately will not work in a lot of the proposed ways that are put out there because uh, there are a lot of, of people in the world that that do need to eat to survive, right? So if your goal is to let people uh, uh, intentionally starve to death, then sure, yeah, we can make everything regenerative and it'll be a fully rotational crop uh, crop system where you have animals that graze land. 100% organic. Into it. Yeah. yeah, by all means, we can do 100%. it. 100%. Everyone will yeah. die and yeah. we'll, be, no, we'll be happy for it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, no inputs. And that is the, I think that subconsciously at least, the people that are rising up have come to the realization that, goodness me, these bastards want us all dead. I mean, okay? in, in, you know, and I, I don't exactly like you said subconsciously. I, I don't, I don't think it's like a conscious goal, but it, you know, and I think, I think you see this on both of these of these factions, right? That if we if we just return to nature, uh, everything is going to rectify. Well. I don't know if anyone ever played Oregon Trail, but it was, you know, returning to nature is a very, very gruesome and uh, heartless brutal. and emotionless. It's brutal. Uh, I mean, and it only ends one way. You die. Right. And uh, and yeah. I don't know if, if people put that into context, but all life, literally all life is finite. We all die. Right. And uh, and so we can either streamline our path to death or we can utilize modern tools, research, science, technology. Uh, to try and create roadblocks along that path of death, which we are all riding as as we speak, right? And it's it's odd that now modern agriculture has been painted as the path to death, which actually is the only reason that we have been able to exist this far into uh into into the into the world, <laughs> because we we would have gone extinct a long time ago if it weren't for. Uh, the advancements in modern agriculture. So anyway, it's a thing. Um, Matt, okay, I, have, I have a little observation too. I have a little observation too about the people that are, you know, pushing this Malthusian dystopian fantasy. You know what? You know what my impression of those people are. A lot of them. They look kind of anorexic. Like they don't eat. And I, again, you know, lifestyle decisions, when you work indoors, uh, behind a screen, eight hours a day, and then you come home and you spend the rest of your time under the light, under your roof, indoors, and the only time you go outside is an hour a week on a Saturday or just the time you spend in your car to and from different places, then I could see where your brain literally is going to start to rot. Uh, it doesn't, it's, it's not going to function. You know, one, one thing we were talking about this earlier today, there is something about spending time outside that creates a lot of perspective. 
And uh, and I think <laughs> I think that uh, uh, is a is a is a great shock and reset uh, back into uh, the the fragility of of being a human. And uh, and if you're not experiencing that, then a lot of times it can be easily dissuaded into these utopian type. Uh, uh, systems of regenerative Anesthes, agriculture, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, real quick, sponsor read. I just I want I want to plug this book right. They're not a sponsor of the show or anything like that. But uh, my friend Mikey over at Gain Trust, that is uh, is one of the uh, he he is my my weightlifting coach. And uh, one of the things he said today kind of registered with me is that a lot of times people get into fitness because shit is going wrong. And so they pour a lot of effort into it and it becomes their crutch when they're when they're dealing with whatever it is they're dealing with. And then when things start going good, they forget about the fitness aspect because everything's uh, good now. And so therefore that energy that they had directed into it to overcome whatever hardship they face has been rectified. Therefore, that phase has moved out. I just want to make a point to say is that, you know, 96% of us that listen to this are men and, uh, and the 4% that are women. I think the message is universal and applies to everybody is that, uh, you know, health and prioritizing your health is not a time just you, there is no there is no end point. Right. You don't you don't get healthy and then you magically just stay there. It's a lifestyle. It's it's something that you have to do day in and day out and adopt it. And if it becomes a part of your lifestyle, that is the ultimate goal. Right. And there's 110 different ways to do this. Obviously, I like Mikey because he shits talks me and, you know, he tells me things like, you know what, you're not lean enough. You're not jacked enough and you're not tan enough. Uh, And when you want to be a man, by all means, I'll help you get there. And I I like it when people talk to me that way, because I don't know, it's things like that that motivate me. Right. I like it when people tell me, nope, you can't do that. You are a fucking pussy. Exactly. It gives me a hard on and, and I just pour into it. Uh, so anyway, I just want to put out there, uh, I, I appreciate that post from Mikey because I know uh, even myself in, included, you know, when when the times are good, right? You you start forgetting about what your priorities are. You realter your priorities and uh, and it's easy to make cuts because ah, I'm doing OK. Right. right? Well, I, you know, it's, it's a quick way to fall back into a decision making process where things aren't OK anymore. And then it becomes a, uh, a, a circular economy of sorts of. Uh, a negative feedback loop. Okay, that's out of the way. Thanks, Mikey. Love you. Uh, Gain Trust. Uh, you can check out the Discord server, GainTrust.io. Uh, check them out. Uh, get get Jack. Get swole. Uh, get get tan. There's there's ways to do that. In fact, it involves being out in the sun. It's interesting. In fact, if you look at the three of us as summer starts rolling around, we will inadvertently be a little bit tanner on the back of our necks. Or scalps, uh, because Demay and I both have hair showing. I mean, skin uh, showing on the on the top up there. And uh, and then of course Ray is Asian, so he's just he's always going to be darker than us. But you know, it is what it is. Uh, anyway, let's check However, out this Matt, week's- <laughs> I'm I am a little bit on the lighter side for an Asian, though. This is true. I'm a little bit on this the lighter. Yeah, I'm a little bit on the lighter uh, my, side. I mean, that's my just- kids are are half Japanese, and uh, and typically when they come back from my parents' house in Florida for the summers, they uh, they you cannot tell if they're Latino or Asian or all the above. Uh, and I think I think that's why all their kids are Latinos. Uh, it's funny because my son tells us about when he was in younger grades, all his his friends in school all thought he was Latino, and they were really weirded out when cool. they saw his mom was Asian. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Demay, let's check out this week's Joe Knows Turf. Yikes! Joe Knows Turf. 
Hi, I'm Joe. I'm gonna give you a bunch of accurate turf facts today. Because, because Joe's Joe Turf. <laughs> All right. Uh, for those of you just joining the program, Joe Knows Turf is a segment where we uh, are sent in a variety of social media posts and YouTube videos in which people will do things that uh, maybe they could do them just a little bit better and we're here to coach them and maybe they're doing them so badly that we need to literally motherfuck them the entirety of this segment uh, in hopes that it'll get their attention or one of their fanboys will climb in our comments and tell us how we're ruining the lawn tear YouTube community one video at a time. And, and we're being that, mean, sir, Ryan. I thank you. We're being thank mean. Yeah. Humbly and deeply. <laughs> Very deeply. All right. In fact, I've rearranged your guts. All right. Um, now, uh, let's go ahead and dive into this video, gentlemen. Uh, this was entitled, let me see if I make sure I get the, fertilize your lawn with the lawn smoothie. Okay. The lawn smoothie. Um, I don't think I've ever heard that term before. Uh, don't I'm know cringing, what it Ryan. really is. I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe we're going to mix up. cringing. Bananas and apples and guava juice and semen. Put it on the lawn. I told somebody what my idea of a smoothie was, and they recoiled in horror. <sighs> Ray, you're supposed to boil. You're supposed to boil the haggis, not grind it up in the blender. Well, right? I told them my usual is half and half with a cup of whey protein. What the fuck? That's my idea of a smoothie. It's thick. Extra <laughs> thick. All right, let's play the video. Ooh, look at them stripes, and the sun isn't even hitting it. That is looking good. All right, so let's go hit up the smoothie bar. We're going to pull everything out, and then I'm going to show you what I put in my weekly mix of fertilizer. So you Pause. guys can go ahead and do this. Can we go back for just a second here, please? To, can we see the What's what's behind his left shoulder? Oh, there's a little spot right there behind his left shoulder. I don't know what that is. If that's mm -hmm. just where the mower got turned around or what? Yeah, I a little mower, a little mower blip. Or a little scalpage, a little blip. Uh, okay. A little mower scalp. Yeah. Now, I'm looking at his lawn to the background here. Obviously, the one behind him has been scalped to holy hell. But if you look in the back background, uh, blue yeah. again over his uh, left shoulder in the far background, blue garage doors. I, I can see there's there's some decent color out there, right? So Yeah. 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 That's an irrigation issue, probably. So, all right, let's play. I'm going to show you what I put in my weekly mix of fertilizer so you guys can go ahead and do the same thing. Oh, what is on the grass? Look at, look at this just outside the garage door. What is that? Uh, it looks like synthetic turf. A roll of synthetic turf there. And then. No, no, no. Look, look next to the driveway. What is, what is that in the grass? Oh, that looks like uh, tenacity. tenacity? Yeah. yeah. Lighten up a little tenacity. That's a nice camper back there. I think that camper might be a little too big for that truck in the background of his neighbor's place. It is. I'd sleep in it, though. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you can't even see the taillights in that stuff. That's, that's the boom boom room. I couldn't stand up in it, but it, <laughs> might, it might hold me. I'm, I'm <laughs> six foot four, so if I laid diagonal, I could probably fit in it there. That's when you, that's when you, you, when you tag in, you call all time, all time bottom. You know, it's Calgary. better have world. good suspension, I'll tell you that. You have to put it up on blocks <laughs> for stability. <laughs> for stability. All right. So homeboy has uh, 
a lot of jugs, a lot of spill and fills. He's got a lot of uh, half gallons here, um, some big jugs, some small jugs. It's basically like going to the strip club right now. Okay, so let's see, <laughs> let's see what he's going to do here. Let pause. One, two. It's like uh, you know, it's like choose your own adventure. When you go into the strip club, they've got you know three different rooms. There's titties, tits, and then there's toddies. Ray, you better have you better have a pneumatic floor jack and a couple of jack stands if you're going to the toddy's room. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay? <laughs> Let's move on. You need a class A RV on that one. Two, three. Hazmat and air brakes to stop those things. Badly. <laughs> Just wanna say thank you to all the subscribers out there and yeah. everybody who is not a subscriber and is watching this. What are you doing? Just hit that button. Super easy. If you like what you see today just smash that button for me we have plenty you of just more told, good stuff you just told everyone who doesn't watch our show to subscribe so i don't know maybe we'll get one more lawn renovation i might have a second lawn renovation we'll see but i hope you guys all enjoy it i hope you guys I'll say, enjoy this guy's really happy and I, I am glad to see that mine are better <laughs> yeah i hope you guys enjoy it smash yeah, he's that got like a lot of really nasty my side yard it's good dang yeah look at this <laughs> all right let's go grab this long suckers at the base right, of the guys, tree there? so we are gonna get our okay here we go down. first thing first i get a bucket and i fill it a little bit with some hot water because the first thing that we're gonna if put he in uses a drill is to agitate this 18 18 18 look at that a little bucket. triple 18 this look at this 48 ounces per thousand square feet so we're gonna do about 10, i know what that so does a little bit over a thousand here i know a little bit about that i may or may not be the person behind that <laughs> the reason why i do Water if you know, you know. That's it. I love this so guy. He's great. Helps it out. Ten ounces there. From there, we're gonna do GS Plant Foods Root Ruckus. Oh, this is four to six do ounces. Don't do this. <sighs> brown water. Yeah, let me. Oh, let me I got brown water. Exactly enough. Dump that in the bucket. Next up, we're gonna do Turf Titans Lawn Advancer. This again, four to six ounces. Turf Titan Lawn Advancer. And I'm not sponsored mm -hmm. by the bucket. Next up, we're going to do Turf yeah. Titan's Lawn Advancer. This again, four to six ounces. And I'm not sponsored by any of these products. I have Good. no, nothing to them. Just, I will link products down below so you guys can grab them if you want. But I, I am not sponsored by any of these products. As you can see, I, I'm gonna be using a mixture of different brands, different products, everything from here to there. So I have no allegiance to anybody. Next up, Turf Titans Lawn Commander. Again, another four to six ounces per thousand. What the hell? Lawn Commander? Mm-hmm. Turf Titans Lawn Striper, because I need that iron to make sure that my lawn is dark and green, dominates everybody Turf in the neighborhood. Titan this again used to be another four to six striper. ounces per thousand square feet. So that was most of our macronutrients with the exception of the iron. Next, we're going to kind of get into our micros, the things that are going to help us beneath the soil level. So first of which, hydrotane. Giving it. Just helps keep moisture oh, in, microbes. plus water. What? Everything that's gonna kind of help down below the soil level. Hydrotank goes down at nine ounces per thousand. Oh no! Oof. Oh no! Next Might we have the Green County Propane. Fertilizers Air Eight. This goes down at six oh, ounces no. per thousand. This just helps your uh, soil from getting compacted. Last thing you want is a compacted soil. With triple eighteen, I need to do uh, a pH test. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I need to do a pH test and see. 
uh, how compatible those are. First off, there's a lot of shit going into this that is redundant, and we'll we'll go over the labels here in a minute. But uh, let's. Uh, well, he's got a couple other I, things. I got a, I got a big no no. Yeah. I got no, a big no no. I got a big fall that this man is committing. Add to this because I got a feeling yeah, it's not going to get better, Ray. Let's see what's all in the kamikaze here. I know Matt's had a kamikaze before. Green County Fertilizers RGS is basically root growth. So again, this is going to be at three ounces per thousand. Just another great product to use for below your soil level. And then lastly, some humid 12. This goes down to three to nine ounces per thousand. Again, for lot. Hydrotain. As you guys can see, I put about just about anything that I can into this mix. This goes down weekly. So I would like to put it down in the description below. We're gonna go ahead and mix this up, get this into our container, and then get it on the lawn. One, two, three, four, five, six. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. He's doing it. I was already struggling with you, but let me tell you, with the paddle mixer, I can't. Mix it up inside the bucket before I put it into the pump sprayer. All right, let's get it in. I hope he decants that. Now we're going to top nope. up our water. Pours all the way in. This water is going to really want to know how much. All right, guys, now that everything's mixed up, let's go ahead and get it on the lawn. So. All right, guys. So that's now down. Matt, now nothing to do. But you notice something? But, you know, it's he had to, to switch tips probably because his fan tip clogged. Yeah. He had to go to those twin hollow yeah, cone nozzles because his yeah. because his fan tip went uh, eat. <laughs> yeah. Fertilize your lawn at least once a uh, month. JP, can you, can you go it? back just to highlight that? Uh, go back to when he first starts spraying. Uh, a little bit more, a little bit more. So right here, if you look, he's using a single nozzle. Okay, a fan uh, tip, you know, a single fan yep, tip. Come, come forward a couple clicks. Uh, yep, he's got the double. Yep, you uh. see the dual nozzle there. Okay. <laughs> Why that's important? All right, we'll 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 go over this now. Right, so he added root ruckus, which is humic acid. Okay, uh, it is mm -hmm. uh, it is it's just humic acid. Uh, with a little bit of a, a little bit of kelp, right? So this is uh, a root ruckus is RGS. He also added RGS just to double up. I don't know why uh, he isn't really sure either. The root ruckus does have some mycorrhizae fung fungi in it. Uh, good luck. You're not going to foliar apply that and have any infections, but uh, you know, it's, if it makes you feel good, there you go. Uh, he also had the triple 18, which is an 18, 18, 18, uh, and, uh, and chelated micronutrients, right? So it's going to cover pretty much all your bases there. Then he has the lawn advancer, which is a two, seven, seven. This is an interesting product here, right? So it has uh 2% nitrogen, 7% phosphate, 7, per, uh, 7% potash, 
And then it has a whiff of chelated manganese and zinc, but it says on the label that it has 7% manganese and zinc total, but only 0.02% is chelated uh, manganese and 0.5% is chelated zinc. And it doesn't list the sources of those ingredients uh, on mm-hmm. the label. So one, this label would never pass at all any any labeling law ever afco would look at this and be like what the fuck is this uh so anyway this is a really really strange product and then we have lawn commander okay so lawn commander is a 2003 derived from urea ammonium nitrate a a whiff of ammonium sulfur and i mean an absolute whiff because they do not even claim sulfur on the label which again you can't you can't put ammonium sulfate on the label if you're not going to claim sulfur on the on the package, right? If it has ammonium sulfate and you don't want to claim sulfur on the label, then you have to leave ammonium sulfate off the label. Uh, so that, the, again, more bad labeling here. This would never, ever pass. So I don't, I have no idea what it, in the fuck is going on here. What's going on? Uh, <laughs> it, it has more chelated iron. It has more chelated manganese, more chelated zinc. And then he has Lawn Striper. And uh, so I'm sure this one's going to be wildly different here. Uh, nope, it is UAN. Uh, they don't even list all of their ingredients. Oh, but it does have a glucoheptanate iron, uh, 6% glucoheptanate. Oh, stop, uh, Matt. Stop right there. Because yeah. glucoheptanates and phosphorus will turn into a brick. I'm sorry, but that's and- what that's what happens <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and after you would have to dilute that so far in order to keep it from completely bricking up. But what it will do is that you'll get what looks like salt grains in the bottom of your mix tank when you mix those two, right? So just Mm -hmm. to make sure that now we've got products that are not compatible with one another, we really want to make sure it continues to stay that way. Don't forget, we've still got Humic 12 in there. We've got RGS. But we kind of covered that because we did the root ruckus too. So those are just redundant products. But then we add Air 8. Uh, Air 8 is uh, is basically just a a little bit of linardite with some some, uh, a higher concentration of uh, uh, potassium hydroxide in there. So that's going to be a very high pH product. Remember all those micronutrients that were being put in? Guess what EDTA chelates, glucoheptanate chelates, all the other shit does not like. It does not like a high pH. High P- I'll say this. Yeah, the triple eighteen is is a fairly, we try our best to formulate that in such a way to remain acidic in solution to protect the micronutrients. Um, and there's there's a lot of hoodoo that goes into that to, to make that a reality from a formulation perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's not cheap to do that either, as a matter of fucking fact. And it's frustrating <laughs> because you have to compete against people like Peters. But um, anyway, that's that's what we do just to, as an added layer of security. I will tell you the buffering capacity of that fertilizer is nowhere great enough to overpower uh, potassium hydroxide, especially if you've got you know, the, the, the concentration to reach five units of potassium in it and to have a pH of 10 plus, uh, yeah, the, the fertilizer not, not going to happen. So again, you know, you got to think though, right? Micronutrients are typically included in what, you know, half a percent, 1%. Here we got the glucoheptanate at 6%. That's already reacted out with the phosphorus. So that that's done. So whatever did remain that is compatible with phosphorus, EDTA is compatible with phosphorus. Uh, now has uh, has been oxidized into a uh, into a, a hydroxide, uh, overpowering the EDTA chelate. So 
not only did we lose that, we lost our micronutrients too. So in effect, what we're applying now is nitrogen, still probably a good chunk of phosphorus, uh, maybe half of it, and uh, and potassium. So good job, guy. You uh, you. There's one more so... thing, Matt. One you, more thing that? where he fucked up. Yep. Okay, hydrotane. Hydrotane is something that will most likely, given the salt content of that solution, that will probably separate out into the parent esters and alcohols because... Oh, especially if you start adding KOH to it. No, actually, the KOH will help keep it saponified, but the problem is is that... Yeah, you know all of that uh, UAN, that ammonium nitrate? That Mm -hmm. ammonium nitrate will take apart that surfactant, and it'll take it apart fast. Mm. So... I, I I don't know. I mean, this just seems to me like he would have been miles ahead if he actually just stuck with the eighteen, 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 and called it a day. I think he would have been miles ahead. <laughs> yeah, and if he's really gummed up on doing a uh, a you know something soil positive, you know, do the root ruckus or the humic twelve or RGS. You don't have to combine all of it. It's so redundant. Uh, and you know, again, I have zero problem with, uh, with hydrotain. I've talked about using it before. Uh, I can't say it's the first thing I would run and grab, but, uh, I have used a lot of it with seeding and never had, had any, any issue with it. But again, you know, we're talking about, uh, uh, surfactants here. Surfactants are soap-like materials to reduce surface tension. And so you typically want to apply those by themselves, right? When you start mixing salts, with uh with uh with those materials that you surfa- don't necessarily get uh a positive result. Yeah, they don't play well because the strongly ionic fertilizer will literally cause the surfactants to break. Don't ask me how I know because I made yep. oil slick I, I made oil slicks in my sprayer before thinking I'm gonna kill two birds with one stone and put out my wetting agent with my liquid fertilizer application. Bad move, Ray. Don't do that. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, Demay, you found, you found a doozy here. The lawn smoothie was so aggressive, it, it ended up negating itself. That was... You, you, I think the message <laughs> there is don't, don't, not everything belongs in the smoothie, right? Uh-huh. Uh, no. Right is spice of life. So... Uh, you know, keep your fertilizers separate from your um, from your other materials, if at all possible. Just makes just makes it a little bit easier, like that, right? And mm-hmm. uh, your uh, your iron apps uh, can go solo. Uh, that that usually helps if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, and I yep. again, not not beating the guy up. I'm just trying to make it easier for him. So while it's nice and it's uh, seems efficient to throw all that stuff in the tank. Are you really gaining anything if nothing or very little of what is in that tank actually has any efficacy? So there you are. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to try again next week and see what we can. But you know what we can do right now is we can take it to another depth of hell. Let's check out those burns. Fire! I almost forgot about the burns today. Thank you for crushing me. 
<laughs> I was I was beginning to have an optimistic outlook after that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we have a, a, a phenomenal article here in House Digest by none other than uh, uh, Rachel Milagrito. And uh, we should we should take a look at her. She is uh, a beautiful Filipino lady, and she her area of expertise is DIY cleaning hacks, uh, budget friendly hacks. She has an experience for writing that she developed during her teenage years, but set it aside to concentrate on her academic pursuits. The pandemic in 2020 provided her the opportunity to revisit her writing aspirations while taking a break from her dual roles as an occupational therapist and college professor. Smart, too. Prior to becoming part of the Home Digest team, she had already made her mark by publishing over a thousand articles on various topics. Excellent. Okay. So this one here should be extra spectacular what is it is coca-cola really the secret to a greener lawn oh boy uh if you're in need of a quick pick-me-up cracking open a nice cold bottle of coca-cola could provide that refreshing jolt uh interestingly you're not the only one that could benefit from cocaine uh, Coca-Cola. Uh, did you know that some <laughs> also recommend Coca-Cola for your lawn? The presence of nutrients like oxygen. Are we are we really going here? Are we really going here? Oxygen, yep. hydrogen, carbon, sulfur, sodium, potassium, and phosphorus in carbonated drinks like Coca-Cola is believed to be beneficial for foliage health. <laughs> Additionally, these components can contribute to achieving a deep, lush, green lawn. Uh, another suggestive advantage of using Coca-Cola is its role in pest control. The sugar content in sodas is believed to attract ants, which in turn feed on the larvae of the garden pests without affecting the plants. Uh, Chris Bonnet, founder of Gardening Express, also tells Express, uh, if you have some spare or flat Coca-Cola, this is a great alternative to weed killers. He also noted that the high sugar content can significantly benefit compost piles. However, he reminds us that these drinks should only be used in moderation since too much can kill plants. But using Coca-Cola or any lawn tonic that has an ingredient is a lawn fertilizer hack that you really don't want to replicate. While Coke and other carbonated drinks are a great source of elements and minerals that are good for grass, the benefit is negated by their high sugar content. The sugar content can help prevent plants from absorbing water and nutrients, resulting in their death. You can also pull water out from the plant roots due to osmosis and attract microbes that are harmful to plants. Watering your lawn with Coca-Cola also poses risk of fungal infections and other diseases. To add, while spraying Coca-Cola or a lawn tonic may attract ants to your lawn, which can be beneficial, it can also inadvertently bring unwanted pests. Uh, instead, experts recommended using carbonated water like club soda because it contains high concentration of nutrients <laughs> without the sugar. Okay, this is a garbage article, sweetheart. I have no doubt about it that you're smart and I'm really pleased that you're an occupational therapist and you do great work for children. But next time you want to write an article like this, call us. We will help you. Okay? We <laughs> we would love to help you. Uh because this is garbage. And I I get it, right? It has I, I can't remember all the preservatives and cokes, but I'm sure there's going to be, you know, sodium hexametaphosphate or whatever else that, you know, they may put in there. And so, yeah, you're going to see those. Coca-Cola has a high concentration of actual phosphoric acid, and that's what gives Coca-Cola well, tartness. Yeah, that's what's yep. acidic. There's a significant amount of phosphoric acid. However, here's where it gets interesting because. Coca-Cola also contains a lot of sodium salts. So you're basically putting on something that has a lot of sodium salts with some phosphoric acid. And this is also why it is true that Coca-Cola can be used to remove rust. 
because that phosphoric acid is probably the bit one of the most aggressive rust removers I know of. Yeah, it is uh again, you know, sodium on turf grass. Sodium is not one that I think about when I'm trying to plan uh what kind of nutrients I want to account for in an application. I've never thought to myself, hmm, maybe I should sprinkle in, I don't know, hundred parts per million or two hundred parts per million of uh of uh <laughs> sodium chloride here just to just to make sure I, I give it a good burn on the skin, uh on the on the leaf there. <laughs> Any other things like oxygen, hydrogen, and carbon. Oh, Where's the carbon come from? The sugar, uh, the carbon dioxide mm -hmm. that's dissolved in it, right? You're getting a little fluffy there. Where's the hydrogen and oxygen come from? The water, the H2O water, in it. Yeah. <laughs> come, listen, listen. You're not, you're not pulling the wool over our eyes, Miss House Digest author lady. <laughs> uh, the next one here, um, Demay, can you please spec? A grow in using Coca Cola and I will. <laughs> Actually, I was what I was what I was hoping that I could do is transport myself back to 1996, and I would actually spec Pepsi, and I would use all the Pepsi points <laughs> to buy that trip to meet Cindy Crawford. 1996. Yeah, that's what I would do. That is the give me them Pepsi points. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, we have a bill out of Idaho, man, the I states are really on one, uh, that would deem a pesticide <laughs> label sufficient as a warning. Uh, so existing regulations that apply to a pesticide's label would be sufficient to satisfy any requirement for a warning about the safety of the product if legislation in Idaho passes. Uh, Senate Bill 1245, introduces, uh, introduced by the Commerce and Human Sources Committee, uh, Resources Committee says any warning requirement would be met by the US EPA registration under the uh, FIFRA. Uh, registration and labeling already take into account the most recent health assessments performed under the Federal Act or EPA carcinogenic uh, uh, classifications, according to the bill. Pesticide labeling is regulated by the state and federal laws under FIFRA. California required products that contain glyphosate to have warning labels that imply chemical causes cancer. Uh, the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals barred the state from imposing that requirement. What we're seeing around the country is lawsuits being filed. It is an effort to basically squash through litigation our ability to grow food. If the legislation passes, it would basically say the warning label is enough. It's not going to stop all lawsuits, nor does it intend to, but the warning label on it should be sufficient to stop some of these lawsuits. Instances of pesticide overspraying and drifting have occurred, impacting farm workers, neighbors, and others, uh, said Jonathan Oppenheimer, Government Relations Director of the Idaho Conservation League. Many of those incidents have been where applicators were not following the label instructions. ICL continues to study the bill, but generally we do have some concerns that this may shield pesticide manufacturers who are potentially liable under the law and leave Idahoans who are harmed without recourse. Okay. Bullshit. I, uh, I bullshit. Yeah. Okay, Matt? Bullshit. Here's, here's why it's bullshit. It is because that person that chooses to not apply that product in compliance with the label law, you know, labeling, is essentially he himself is violating the law. I mean, what is the pesticide manufacturer supposed to do? Be out there with the grower holding his fucking hand while he's applying that product? No, because that manufacturer went through hell with the EPA to even get that product registered and labeled for application and usage within the United States. So I agree with this legislation. The label should be sufficient. And furthermore, violation of the product label 
should not be the problem of the manufacturer. That's, that should be the problem of the person that chose to violate what is written on that label. It is him and him alone. Nobody else. <laughs> yeah. Um, Demay, I'm going to pose a hypothetical to you here. If you are a, um, uh, uh, if, if you are an applicator and you are barehanding, uh, mixing uh, Cordain into a sprayer and you go make applications and uh, you and everyone you train to also mix Cordain uh, barehanded uh, come <laughs> down with some neuro, neuro, uh, neurotoxic disease or, or disorder or whatever, what responsibility falls on the manufacturer? <laughs> I mean, none. If I go eat eight Big Macs, Every single day, am I going to sue McDonald's when my heart explodes? Um, I mean, to me, to me, that's what it sounds like the alternative to this bill wants to have happen. Listen, if I use, uh, you know, the uh, the cheap geo, uh, you know, VO five conditioner from Dollar General, you know, to <laughs> masturbate with every single day for a decade. And it burns so bad that it cauterizes my piss hole shut, and then I die of erythromycetosis. Should I blame Bo Five? <laughs> no, no, they didn't. I just like to live on the edge. The, the label said not to put it in inconspicuous places, but it didn't specifically mention that hole. That who's place. to say where? Who's to say where external turns to internal anyway? What is? Yeah. That? Um. All right. Uh, <laughs> th thankfully, those are those are all the the burns we have today. Uh, let's let's get some good news out of the returns. The greatest burn of them all. Shocker! Guess who won another turf bowl title? Dum dum dum. Purdue. Uh. Does Purdue win this every year? No, but they're they're uh, you know they're in that in that pantheon. If if we were talking college football, uh, yeah. you know the the, the Alabama, the uh, the Georgia, they're they're right there at the top every year. So good to see it. It's 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 basically for folks that don't know, um, you know, they have what's called the Turf Bowl, which has a practical component, right, where they have to do you know. Uh, Samples that come from greenhouses, things like that, to do ID for weeds and uh, grasses, insects, things like that. There's a written form uh, uh, of the test that is multiple choice, and then they do a case study or two. I can't remember how, how the test is formatted now, but a case study or two where they're given a problem, they have to kind of write out, okay, here are the steps we would take to kind of methodically go through it and deduce what's going on and come up with a plan of action. Here's your plan of action and kind of go from there. So, uh, Really, really br smart, bright kids. You know, uh, yeah. it, it, it's a way. I guess the the best way to put it is this: is that they have to commit a lot of time at studying, a lot of extra effort outside of class. This isn't just like you know, you show up and you take the test. Like they spend literally hours and hours and hours for months leading up to this. So this is their uh, highest level to test themselves right against uh, their peers, right? Because uh is uh my turf instructor used to say you're not competing with the people sitting next to you you're competing with the other hundreds of kids that are out there in turf school right now that you're going to compete with in you know two years 10 years 20 years for a job 
and what's what you're willing to do right now and for the rest of that time to get yourself better and do things that not everybody else was willing to do to get yourself ahead of them. So kudos to them uh, for all the shit that we give young people here and things like that about different things. These are the people that are our people, right? The people that are willing to do uncommon things to achieve uncommon results. Congratulations, Purdue. Boiler up. I have a good friend that uh, that went to Purdue, and he's he was big into the turf ball. He asked me, he's like, hey, did you ever do the turf ball? I was like, no, you don't, you don't want to know. No, uh, they, they didn't, they didn't offer beer bongs at the entrance. And so, uh, you know, it wasn't, wasn't exactly my thing. <laughs> uh, MetLife stadium is finally getting rid of the dreaded turf field. Uh, just a giants yeah. fan have been begging and pleading with their favorite franchises to change the playing service at MetLife stadium for years now. Finally, their prayers were answered. Uh, MetLife stadium was officially announced to, uh, host the venue for the FIFA world cup final in 2026. FIFA regulations state that every host stadium must have a grass playing service, which means that MetLife will be forced to undergo some long overdue renovations in the near future. It's unclear when the stadium is expected to make changes, but it does have to occur before June of 2026. It's also unknown if the switch to grass would be a permanent one. Nonetheless, the stadium in which the Jets and Giants play their home games will be moving away from the dirty turf that has plagued athletes for years. Uh, that could have some serious implications for the future of both franchises. Uh, the Jets players should be thrilled about MetLife Stadium's impending changes uh, because they've been really outspoken about their desire for it to change. The turf is widely considered to be the worst playing surface in the NFL, and it has a strong correlation with the increased injury risk. Uh, <laughs> Jets wide receiver Garrett Wilson called the stadium turf garbage. Uh, multiple Miami Dolphins players were very vocal about their displeasure with the stadium after a number of their players suffered non-contact injuries at the MetLife. Uh, anyway, it goes on and on. Looks <laughs> looks like grass is in the running again. Make grass great no. again. Uh, so, no, they're going to put they're, they're, they're putting synthetic they are, back in there for now. I know. Yeah, I just know. different kind of synthetic. Yeah, I, you can't. You if uh, for but for, for have, the FIFA, they will have to have grass. Yeah, the World right? Cup. Yeah, the yeah. So the World Cup final they did today, today Sunday, February fourth. Today they announced that the. World Cup final in 2026 will be there and they'll be on grass. So uh, a good experiment to see how it'll work, you know, especially in an outdoor stadium. And uh, I think based on all the testing that's been done to this point, it's not like they're just, you know, kind of hoping and praying that everything's going to go well. This is uh, years that this has been going on now in the States to prepare for 2026. And these next two years will be pivotal in terms of taking that research and applying it to sod farmers that are going to grow the stuff in the field and then stadium managers that will have to take care of that grass at uh, not just the stadiums that they're playing matches in but also 120 fields that'll be training sites around the country for all the teams that come in so it'll be uh some of the uh the golden age of non-golf grass growing is about to take place in the United States here in the next two years. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Really fascinating. Yeah, I was going to so, say that is exciting as hell uh, because there's there's obviously not enough of that going on. But thanks to people like Demay, that it is it is still going on, and, uh, <laughs> and so hopefully he gets to be a bit more involved in that and can give us a little bit of the insight. <laughs> oh, good baseball guy, COVID. Uh, all right, we're going to get the hell out of here. We're going to go hang out with our patrons. Patreon.com forward slash burner return. We're going to let them choose the title of this week's episode. Uh, and uh, oh, real quick, we got a mailbag. Nope. <laughs> Missed it. Oh, I thought I heard You've the, got I, mail. I You've got uh, mail. Hometown Learning Tour said, does the growth probability uh, uh, spreadsheet make any assumptions related to clippings, return, or bagged? No. 
Uh, and the big one that I would say you'd probably pay most attention to there would be uh, 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 phosphorus. And uh, and you could pretty much guarantee that the overwhelming majority of that's going to be returned back. Uh, potassium, not quite as much, but definitely will have a fair amount of that returned back as well, too. Uh, but if you're looking for that, I believe is uh, Texas A&M does a lot of uh, estimation of organic matter release. And uh, by proxy, you could probably math your way into that from uh, clipping return, too. But I would not expect you know you to be able to supplement all your remaining in for the year purely based on clipping return. So uh, don't be fooled into that one. Uh, I would just I would go ahead and base it on what your utilization would rate, and then if you want to take it to the next notch, do it based on organic matter levels in your soil. Uh, I would just not expect much from from a red return event on. Uh, clippings okay now we're going to hang out with the patrons patreon.com forward slash burner return if you're of the means to do that by by all means <laughs> if you're of the means by all means uh check it out uh, it's a it's a community of like-minded people who have one interest and one interest in learning that is to uh that is uh, to to learn and uh, and that's and that's why we welcome everyone in there because everyone comes with the expectation that they are there to learn and that is uh that is our our one rule is that if you show up you better show up to to set your ass up to learn i learn there every day everybody there learns something every day do better be better that's the that's the brand of the discord uh all right y'all have a good one but